Lord, thank you for the assurance of your grace. Also, thank you for the love that is in your discipline. And Lord, I pray that you would use this time, use what I say, what we think, to help us understand how both of those things set us free. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to greet those of you in the narthex. Good to have you with us. I've got some good news for you. Next week, we'll have some cameras that will be in the back of the sanctuary, which will allow us to put sermons up on the internet, uh, videos of the sermons, but more importantly to you guys back there, it'll allow you to see what's going on in here up on those screens. So these have been donated to us by a very generous person, so next week you'll be all the closer to us if you're sitting out there in the narthex. Good to have you with us. The last uh, couple of weeks I've been doing a sermon series about how Jesus sets us free from the things that hold us in bondage. And I plan these sermons usually a couple of months in advance, and and often I'll plan a particular sermon and I'll think, man, I've never talked on this topic before. You know, I need to talk on this. This is going to be a great sermon. And then I get to that week and I actually start writing it, and I think, why the heck did I choose this? Today's sermon is one of those. God disciplines those he loves. That should pack them into the pews, right? Besides, the other thing is you always live what you preach. So if you preach on God's discipline, you're likely to experience God's discipline. That's why next week I'm preaching on what to do with a million (laughs) dollars. This is one of those, I wish this weren't in the Bible passages. Like God's discipline. I mean, that just doesn't sound any fun. But I believe that every word in the Bible is good news. So let's find the good news in this passage. Let me start by saying what this passage does not say. This passage does not say that God throws hardships at us because he's ticked off and he wants wants us to pay some kind of penalty for our sin. That's not what this passage says. The passage says endure hardship. It doesn't say God causes hardship. Some of you have had terrible things happen to you. The death of a loved one or or a serious illness. And some of you have even been told, well, God must be making you pay the penalty for your sins. That's why you are suffering. God's doing this to you. Folks, let me say this as clearly as I can. The people who told you that, though I'm sure they were well intentioned, are dead wrong. And in my opinion, they committed theological abuse. Other than that, I have no opinion. The whole of Scripture taken together does not teach that God is out to extract some penalty for our sin. The penalty for your sin and mine was settled once and for all on the cross. Jesus took the penalty that we deserved. And if you have accepted Jesus, God stamped on the record of your wrongs the words debt paid in full, and then he burned that document in the fires of hell. Can I be any clearer? If you are in Christ, the old is gone, you are a new creation, pardoned, redeemed, washed clean, set free, beloved of God, period, end of sentence, no dash, comma, hyphens, or semicolons, you're forgiven. And if someone else tries to tell you differently, you send them to me, we'll get an old-fashioned Bible quoting contest, and that person's going down. Don't mess with me on this one, I'm a preacher on the edge. This passage does not say if you're suffering it's because God is punishing you and making you pay a penalty for your sin. That's bad news. The Bible's good news, every word of it. So here's the good news of this passage. The last few weeks I've I've asked you to think of something that you want to be delivered from. Maybe it's something you didn't have much control over, like an illness or something like that. Or maybe it's something, and often, 
It is something that we've kind of had a hand in creating. You know, maybe it's worry or, or fear or a bad habit or an addiction or, or a broken relationship. What this passage says is that in our struggle to break free from that bondage, we are not alone. God helps us. And this passage starts with a wonderful image of freedom. You know, it says, let us throw off the sin that entangles and run with perseverance the race that is set before us. That is a bold statement of breaking free. Because sin really does entangle, doesn't it? I mean, the bad habit that we can't break, the, the grudge we hang on to, but it eats us up alive, the, the lust that drives us crazy, those things entangle. And this passage says, throw off that bondage and run free. And the good news is that we don't have to do that alone. God helps us throw off the bondage of sin. And one of the ways he helps us do that is that like a good father, he lovingly disciplines us. Now, I know that some of you had fathers who disciplined harshly. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a good father who lovingly disciplines his children because he wants the best for them. I remember when my nephew was about two years old, and at the time he was my parents' only grandchild and much spoiled because of it. And one day I was visiting him, and my, my nephew was eating this giant bowl of Cool Whip that my mom had given him. And, and I was in my 30s at the time, so I'm kind of embarrassed to say that the first words out of my mouth were, Hey, you never gave me Cool Whip when I was a kid. Very mature response. We sort of want God to be like that. So this big, indulgent grandparent in the sky. But you know what? If all my mom did was indulge my nephew, which she didn't, just, just sometimes, would that be love? Of course not. Every parent knows this, that if your kids are doing something that's going to hurt them or hurt others, you discipline them for their own good. It's a sign of love. If God just watched as we hurt ourselves or hurt others and said, oh, go ahead, keep wrecking your life, that's not love. Right? Tolerance is just another word for I don't care what happens to you. Now, God doesn't condemn us, but he also doesn't condone behavior that he knows is going to hurt us. Instead, because he loves us, he disciplines us. Or a better translation of this Greek word might be he trains us. Like a coach, he trains us to help us become everything he created us to be because he cares. And he does that in a couple of ways. First, God helps us grow. God trains us through hardships. Now, as I just said, God does not cause hardships, illness, broken relationships, death. That is the result of living in a fallen, broken world. That was our, our call, not God's. But God uses those hardships that just are part of life to help grow us and help, and help us break free. You know, over the years, I've told you a lot of stories about people who have had some horrible things happen to them. You know, death of a loved one, broken relationships. And a lot of times these people did not cause their hardship. Sometimes it was even the, the result of someone else's sin that caused their hardship. But every person I've told you about has said that the hardship made them stronger and it helped them get closer to God. And that God used the hardship to set them free. By facing the difficulty head on, they were able to break free out of fear. In experiencing God so closely, they were able to break free from worry. In the ways that this community, in many cases, cared for these people, they were able to break free from loneliness. What this passage says is that God does not waste the tears. God does not waste the tears. He uses them to set us free. <clears throat> Second way that God trains us, helps us grow, is through the consequences of our own sinful behavior. 
Oscar Wilde said that there are only two tragedies in life. One is not getting what you want. The other is getting it. And of the two, the latter can be the worst one. Right? Sometimes I think the best way for God to discipline us is simply to let us get what we want. You know, God's commands are meant to help us, not hurt us. God says, do these certain things because they're going to give you life. They're going to give you joy. And don't do these things over here because they're going to hurt you. And when we disobey Him, there are just some natural consequences that come our way. The addiction wrecks our relationships and makes us feel unclean. If we don't treat people lovingly, then we can end up lonely. If we give in to worry, then we can be consumed by by anxiety. That's bondage. God doesn't cause it. That's just what happens. In fact, I think often God actually, out of His grace, protects us from the consequences of our own sin. But when we're really not following Him, and when He's tried to get our attention through other ways, friends or Scripture or our conscience... And there's just no other way, I think, and, and we just won't listen. I think God says, okay, if this is the only way that I can get your attention, I love you enough to do this, and he lets us reap the consequences of our own sin kind of as a wake-up call. This week I, I took my kids to the Science Center in Seattle, and my son had a toy ninja with him. And I said, you better leave that in the car or, or you, know, you might lose it. But when I wasn't looking, he snuck it into his pocket and took it with him anyway. And he lost it. And we couldn't find it after looking all over. So on the way back to the car, he was stomping his feet saying, stupid science center, it lost my ninja. As if that was their mission statement or something, right? The science center, we just want to lose your toys, right? Now, he got what he wanted to take the toy with him. And as a result, he got the natural consequences of sinning against his father. And the result for him was bondage. Now, 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 I didn't have to say to him, I told you so. I didn't have to say to him, you know, I guess you learned your lesson. I didn't have to say, you know, I guess next time you'll listen to me. I didn't have to say any of that, but I did. (laughs) Suddenly I was channeling my parents, right? (laughs) Fortunately, God is a better father than I am. And he never says, I told you so. But sometimes he lets us reap the consequences of our sins so that we can discover that when we do what he says to do, we're free from the bondage of sin. God trains us through hardship, through the consequences of our sin, and finally, through the Holy Spirit. You know, breaking free from bondage is not a matter of just sheer willpower. You know who loves willpower? The devil loves willpower. Because if we rely on it to be free, we're never going to be free. But willpower plus the Holy Spirit, now that's the equation that equals freedom. Willpower plus the Holy Spirit equals freedom. A good friend of mine has always worried a lot about, about how he looks, which is just a huge bondage to him. But the Holy Spirit lately has been kind of helping him get out of that, through nudging him to do things that are maybe a little more healthy for him, and, and when he messes up, to, to give him those thoughts that, that come from the Holy Spirit, that he's forgiven, that he's loved, and give him hope to do better in the future. Recently, he was about to spend more money than he had on some clothes, and he got one of those thoughts that he knew was the Holy Spirit that said, don't do this. You don't have to do this. And after some wrestling and wrangling with all of that, he he ended up not having those clothes. And another time, he felt that the Holy Spirit felt him kind of nudge him to switch gyms uh, to a new gym that wasn't so much of a meat market so that he could get out of this environment where everyone was sort of obsessed with how they looked because that was just making his bondage worse. That's the Holy Spirit guiding him personally, guiding him alongside him, freeing him from the bondage. 
Plus, it's the God of the universe taking time to talk to him. And he said, you know, just, just that he does that, just that God would do that, made him feel more secure, less like he needed to impress other people. It gave him strength. We do not have to break free alone. God is with us personally in relationship. One of our elders told me a story this week about a time when her son was in middle school and was walking home with some friends who started to bully a neighborhood girl. And that night, she and her husband got a call from this girl's mother. So, so the dad confronted his son, and the son said, well, I didn't do it. The, the other boys did it. And the dad said, well, that may be, but, but you didn't try to stop it either. And to just stand by and watch when someone's getting hurt, well, that's just as bad. You need to go apologize for not helping. But the dad said, here's what we're going to do. I love you, son. So here's what we're going to do. I, I'm going to go with you to meet with this girl and her parents, and I'm going to stand right beside you. I'm not going to stand behind you because I want everyone to know that I am, love you and that I am standing beside my son supporting you. And I want you to know that too. So that's what they did. What a great lesson that kid got. Right? I mean, he learned about courage and honesty and compassion and integrity. But more importantly, he learned that he had a father who loved him enough to help him become all that he could be. But who didn't do that at a distance, who didn't hit and run, but who stood right beside him, even in the hard stuff, even in the discipline, in relationship with him, supporting him. That's how God disciplines us. He never abandons us, but he stands there, right there with us, in relationship with us, even in the middle of the discipline. And that sets us free. You know, this, this kid is now an adult, and, and he's just a great guy. He's got a ton of integrity, a lot of compassion. You know, there's freedom in that. He is free from deceit, free of being a coward, free to be a really cool guy because he had a father who loved him enough to help him be the very best and to rise out of his bondage. You see, discipline is liberating. And I know that sounds like Orwellian doublespeak, but it really is true. Discipline is liberating. One of my wife's favorite TV shows is Super Nanny. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's about these families where the kids are just out of control, yelling and fighting and you know, ju just a mess, right? And we watch it because it makes us feel better. <laughs> the Germans call that schadenfreude, which loosely translated means you're more messed up than I am, which makes me feel good. It's a sinful emotion. And the issue in these families is always there's this lack of discipline. Right? There's no rules, there's no boundaries, the parents don't make the kids eat right, they don't go to bed at a reasonable hour, and the result is nobody in that house is free. Mom and dad don't have any downtime because the kids are up fighting all hours of the night, and the kids are grouchy and miserable because they don't have enough sleep. It's bondage. But then Super Nanny comes and gives them some old-fashioned British discipline, and the show always ends the same way. You know, the whole family smiling as they wave goodbye to Super Nanny. <laughs> we love you, Super Nanny. You know, and who loves her the most? The kids. Because things are, everyone is well rested. They're not fighting. Super nanny has set them free. Discipline is liberating. And that's super nanny. God's way better than superman, super nanny. Imagine what he can do for us. What this means is we don't need to be afraid of God's discipline. We don't need to have to hide from it or cower because of it. We can welcome it because it sets us free. I recently read a story about a college student who sent an email home and it said, Dear Mom and Dad, I have a lot to tell you, but because of the fire in my room set off by the student riots, I have lung damage and had to go to the hospital. While I was there, I fell in love with an orderly and we've moved in together. I dropped out of school when I found out I was pregnant. He got fired because of his drinking, so we're moving to Alaska where we might get married after the baby comes. Your loving daughter. 
P.S. None of that really happened, but I did flunk chemistry and I wanted you to keep it in perspective. <laughs> I've laughed at that one all three services. I bad. That is so often how we approach God, right? Afraid of him. You know, he's going to clobber us. It's the wait till your father gets home kind of fear, right? That's not God. That is not the God revealed in Jesus. The God who went to the cross for us disciplines us, but not because he's mad. He's not getting us back. He's drawing us back to him. So what's your bondage? And how might you be contributing to it through your own behavior? And how's God trying to get your attention and warn you to turn the other way? Will you submit to his loving discipline? Will you do the things he says to do in scripture? Things like forgive others, give up the addiction, give your worries to him. In the next couple of weeks, I'm going to talk very specifically how we can do some of those things so that we can be free. And if there are hard things in your life right now, I want you to hear this. God did not cause those hard things. But he also doesn't waste the tears. And he will use that hardship to help you be more free. You know, this passage says that nobody likes discipline when it's happening. But we all love the byproduct of it, don't we? Because the byproduct of it is freedom. That's why this passage says that we should consider Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. And that joy, by the way, was your face. That joy, by the way, was your face. And because of that joy that was set before him, he could endure the cross. And it's the same with us. We can endure discipline because we know at the end of it is freedom and joy. You know, as a runner, passionate runner, I've, I've just loved, I've always loved this passage because of the bold statement of breaking free it, it gives of these runners running in a race. And it just sounds so free to me. I mean, who is more free? The athlete who can run a mile in under, a, in under four minutes or the couch potato who gets winded reaching for the remote? But obviously, it's the athlete. By how fast they can run, it's almost like they're free even from the laws of physics and, and gravity. But what made them that free was following the discipline of their coach. Discipline is liberating. There's a man in this church who was a kind of hard-charging workaholic, which for him was bondage because he was always stressed out and trail of wrecked relationships behind him. And one of the consequences of his workaholism was his wife felt very lonely, felt very frustrated, and she ended up having an affair. For almost four years, they lived apart but didn't get divorced. And then gradually, God began to speak to them in those thoughts that you get that you know aren't yours. They're God's thoughts. And they gradually began to hear God saying to them, you know, showing them kind of the consequences of their sin. He began to see the consequences of his workaholism and what it had done to him and everyone else. She began to see that the affair had not made her less lonely. It made her more lonely. Because the one thing she knew for sure about that other guy was he was willing to cheat with someone else's wife. Which meant that she maybe could never trust him. Well, through a lot of prayer, through a lot of listening to submitting one another to one another, they, they were able to put their back, marriage back together in some really cool, remarkable ways. God did not cause all that pain. They did that themselves. But God didn't waste it. He used it to help deliver them from the bondage of workaholism and from a broken relationship. Growing up, whenever my parents would discipline me, they would often say that typical parent thing, you know, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And I'd always think, well, don't hurt yourself on my account, right? I mean, <laughs> feel free from that. I release you, right? But it's true, right? No parent wants to discipline their kid. But a loving parent does for the kid's sake. And so does a loving God because he cares. 
Several years ago, there was a newspaper article about a true story in, in Indiana where, about a conductor on a train, and he saw this little two-year-old girl standing on the tracks. So he told the engineer to hit the brakes, which slowed the train down to about 5 or 10 miles an hour, but it was clear there wasn't enough time to stop. So the conductor crawled out onto the grill of the train and stretched his leg out and, and kicked this girl out of the way before the train got there. And then he jumped off and he picked her up and he held her and was able to find out where she lived and was able to carry her home. And she was fine. Now here's the point. Sometimes the most loving thing God can do is kick us in our blessed assurance to get us out of harm's way. But he doesn't leave us on the side of the tracks. Instead he comes and he picks us up and he helps us find our way home. Now I'm sure when that little girl got kicked she might have thought, what was that for? Right? But the conductor didn't want to hurt her. The conductor was trying to save her at great personal cost to himself. God does the same thing. And in God's case, it really did hurt him more than it hurts us. Because in the person of Jesus, he crawled out under the grill of sin and was crucified to take the penalty that we deserved. And because of that, it means God will not punish us in anger. The penalty for our sin has been paid. But in love, he will discipline us to set us free. And the question is, will you let him? Come back next week and we'll talk more about how we can do that. Father, thank you that like a good father, like a loving father, you discipline us and you rebuke us because you love us. And all of that sets us free. Lord, help us to experience both your amazing love, that we are beloved by you, and Lord, your vision for who we could become. Thank you that you take us just as we are and thank you that you don't just leave us there, but you help us grow. We give you thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen.